Go like this. <laughs> the Done. part was the hand part. The hand part? Yes, what, this what? part. Oh, with my hair? Yes. Oh, I got to look good for the show. You got to look good for me to be sitting across from you. Oh. I'm kidding. You're good. Perfect. Perfect. Mic check. Mic check. Mic check. Mic check. Bob. Mic check. Jim check. Steve check. Bob. Bobby. Bobby Mike. Bobby Mike is in the house. Here we are, episode five. If I recall correctly, this is our gap year. So we can just let loose, right? We can just do whatever we want. We don't have any responsibilities. We don't have a we don't have a job. So we could, for example, choose four totally disconnected games to string together in one cornucopia of an episode. We don't have any obligations to live up to. We don't have to pay rent. We don't even have to worry about that. Yeah, we can just we can do whatever we want. And so what we're going to do today is just we're going to reach into this grab bag here. Of, we basically put some names of games in a hat. Yeah. And just randomly chose four or four. Yeah. We put four names in a hat and then we reached <laughs> into the hat. And these are the ones we came up with. Uh, some of these were recorded a few weeks ago. I thought at the time I wanted to sit on them and maybe they'll become useful. But that's not really how this works. You don't really record episodes and then just like hang them up in the hopes that one day they'll become relevant. So we figured we'll take this opportunity to put them all together and, and hand them to you, dear listener, on a on a plate. What do you call those uh, episodes of like cartoons where they do a bunch of different bits that are very short? Well, yeah, I get what you mean. Like a, like a clip show, like a, a 22 short films about Springfield kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, we're not reviewing 22 games. Fortunately, <laughs> it's, it's only four. But yes, it's going to be exactly like that. We should do a clip show. No. A bunch of two-minute game reviews? Of, well, of ones we've already reviewed. That's not sound. Nope. Okay. Well, so, you know, we're just going to take that. We're going to put that in the needs to be workshopped. Area. No, we're gonna put that in the <laughs> trash bin. The trash out bin. on the curb. <laughs> Tomorrow's trash day. It's going away forever. Oh, fine. Okay. So in the meantime, dear listener, here you go. Here's the first of our four completely unrelated reviews, just for you. Listen here, laddie. The dwarves that came before us, they dug deep, deep into that mountain, deep where where good. Good dwarves should never dare to dwell. So you warned me that you we had We warned a... you. Do you know what the dwarves found down there? Was it dice? They found dice. <laughs> Loads of dice. So would that make them dice miners? Dice miners. And that is what we are here to... to oh, God, I've gone Russian. <laughs> I've gone Russian. Such an easy slip. Oh. Ah, uh, Dice Miner. That's M-I-N-E-R. New game from Atlas Games. This is, as you might guess, it's a about, dice game. Not about underage dice, but it is about plundering the depths of Dice Mountain for a rich bounty of dice. 60 dice, to be exact, which is how many dice the game comes with. If you love rolling dice, you will love this game. Yeah, I would say so. There's, I mean, there's there's dice drafting, but there's also lots of dice rolling. Not as much at the start, but by the end, you're rolling a big fistful of big Multiple dice. fistfuls. Multiple yeah. fistfuls of dice. Three fistfuls of dice at the same time. 
let's describe what the game is like. What we have in front of us here is the cardboard mountain, dice mountain of dice it's miner. basically a sloped dice shelf. Yeah, it's a sloped nice. dice shelf with this little jagged sawtooth down at the bottom. So you grab your dice. You've got 20 dice per round for three rounds, and you plop 20 of them down on there. I'm going to try that again. Because you said have, plop. We have a bad relationship <laughs> with the word plop. Cut, take two. And you take 20 of them, and you drop them right there on the mountain, and it forms this cool little shape. And then you just go around the table, drafting one die per player. One for me, one for you, one for me, one for you, with the rules that you cannot choose a dice. That's okay. You can say dice. The British say dice. The people on that charming British review show that we shall not talk about. Why should we not talk about if it? If we, we like name them... them then, then they, they exist? Then they exist. No, we, we they are our fiercest competition. Oh, that's right. That's right. Remember? For, the, for our one listener. For our, that's true. <laughs> don't if, leave us, dear listener. Don't leave us for that charming British show. I'm still going to say die because I caught myself. Yeah, so that's fine. One die for me, one die for you. Yeah. With the stipulation that you can only take a die yeah. that is on the top of the stack. So the obviously it's a mountain shape, so it gets wider at the bottom than at the top. At the top you've got two, and then it the next row has three and four, and et cetera, et cetera. So part of the game is figuring out not only what you want for yourself, but also what you may want to prevent your opponent from getting. So we've got this mountain with all these dice on it, and there's, I don't know, one, two, three, four, four types of dice, five types of dice, multiple types of dice. I can't count that high. Five. Five types of dice. It's a challenge for me. We have your standard, your standard dice with pips on them, one through five, and then there's a beer stein on them. We'll get to the beer stein in a bit. You have your gold dice which have gems on them in denominations of one, two, three, and a beer stein. You've got your light green, lime green dice here that have pickaxes, shields, treasure chests, and beers. And then you have these black and orange hazard dice, which have falling rocks and dragons and beer steins. And then you have some magic dice, which are kind of a cool shade of like weird blue green. I wouldn't even know what to call that. Uh, with some magic... They're turquoise. Turqu- is that turquoise? I'd say so. I, I believe you. Uh, with um, some magic symbols and a beer stein on there. Uh, there's all these dice, all these symbols mean different things. We'll cover that maybe in a little bit if we can do a quick rundown. You may have noticed that Paul mentioned that literally every kind of dice has a beer stein on one of the faces. The beer stein is uh, a re-roll that you can roll to your opponent to allow you to choose two dice from the mountain at once. You're forgetting a very, very important rule. What? When you re-roll that die, that beer die, you have to say cheers. Oh, we didn't play that way. It says that in the rule book, and we didn't do it. I, I, you're right. I think that invalidates uh, every game that we played. So my winning score of the last game. So we are now officially tied in the amount of games that we have won. <laughs> zero to zero. I'll take it. Perfect. Yeah. So one of the ways to switch up this back and forth and back and forth as you work your way down the mountain mining dice is to choose one that has that beer stein on it, roll it over to your partner. It means It means that you lose the, the die, but it does enable you to take two from the mountain at once. Yeah, 
Once all the dice are off the mountain, it's time to tally up what you've got. You've got your white dice with the pips on them. Uh, they score you points if you build sequences. Sequences have to start with one, and you'll get that die's face in points up that sequence. So if you have a sequence of one, two, three, four, you'll get one plus two plus three plus four. Ten. Points. Ten. Ms. Math over there. It's only because we just played it a bunch of times. If you have a sequence of one through five, and you can't have a sequence of one through six because of the beer stein, yep. then you will get 15 points. So 15 points for every completed sequence. Great. You get on these gold dice, you'll get one point for every gem that's showing. And if you have the most gems out of all the players, you'll get double the points in gems. That's pretty cool. You have these hazard dice. These are the black ones. These are the black ones. If you have uh, cave-ins or dragons, you'll lose one point for each of them. But here's something cool. These lime green dice have pickaxes and shields. So if you have at least one pickaxe, your cave-ins on the hazard dice don't cost you points. They gain you points. And it's multiplied. The number of pickaxes you have times the number of cave-ins you have, that's your points. Yeah. So you can at some point once you have the pickaxe. And the shield does the same thing for the dragons. Yep. Once you have those, it actually becomes advantageous for you to try to snap up the cave-ins or the dragons that are typically hazards that might still be on the board. Yeah. And then finally, these these magic dice allow you to reroll once the mountain is clear. Everyone gets a chance to spend their magic dice to do some re-rolls. And then once everyone has gone around the table spending all their magic dice, then you tally up your score. And once your score is tallied, you have the ability to finally cash dice, put them away. Uh, these lime green dice that have the pickaxe and the shields on them also have treasure chests. And with those treasure chests, you can set dice aside, and that's important because the dice that you don't set aside have to be picked up and re-rolled. That's fun. We all like re-rolling a bunch of dice. I didn't even know that I liked it, but I do. But you do. Mm -hmm. So you do a round of that, and you keep the dice that you had plundered from that first round. You keep those dice. You play a second round. Another 20 dice go on the mountain. You plunder more dice, you roll more dice, you score more dice, and you do that a third time. You plunder more dice, you score more dice, you roll more dice. And by the end, your scores are getting pretty high, demoralizingly high when playing against certain people. We tied in the first one. We tied in the first one, but in the second one, I think you you just you just went ham. Well, you mentioned that one of the things I can do when re-rolling with the magic dice is to re-roll other magic dice. And I had a whole bunch of ones for re-rolls and I re-rolled them and I got some twos and some threes out of it. So I ended up being able to really cherry pick yeah. my my ending set of dice by constantly re-rolling the ones I was unhappy with. Yeah. Uh, additionally, there are a handful of s characters that come with special abilities. Uh, things like um, a permanent single gem and two treasure chests, uh, a permanent uh, shield for dragons, and uh, a single reroll. Things like that. Not anything game swinging, but fun. To a little extra fun there, a little extra variety. But that's pretty much it. You roll the dice, you put them on the mountain, you draft those dice, and you score those dice. That's the game. That's the game. It comes in two flavors. It comes in standard edition with the cardboard mountain, and then there's a deluxe edition with a plastic mountain. Uh, the person at PAX tried to warn me, well, if you get the standard edition, I've seen the cardboard rub off a lot. But, it would, man, I don't think I've ever seen any kind of cardboard just get that kind of wear with normal usage. I feel like 
you'd have to play this game 200 times in order for it to start even think about wearing off. That's some pretty sturdy cardboard. Yeah. yeah. And I think it actually, I'm surprised to hear that this was the lesser of the two versions. I think it's quite a nice dice display. Yeah. I think it's kind of charming. If we had the plastic version, I would probably hit it up with the airbrush, do a nice little wash, a little dry brushing up at the top. Make would you look, now? I would. Would make you? It look, yeah, make it look like a little snowy peak. I'd probably take. Do like you a, think it's is it just basic plastic? Oh yeah, the basic basic plastic. Really? As opposed to what? What kind of plastic? Well, you would think if it's the if it's the fancy version that they might have a nice looking a special plastic. Special plastic <laughs> made from the made from the already painted mountainous looking the purest plastic, plastic mined deep from within plastic mountain. No. She's not having it. No. So uh, what do we think? What do we think of this game? It's a light game. It's a I didn't find it very deep. I didn't find it very needy. Game. And the sorts of decisions that you have to make are not particularly complicated. So you don't have to think that many turns ahead. Yeah. It's very easy to pick up and go. I would say this is a... How many folks does this play? It plays between one and four folks. I think this would be a great you know, take up to the cabin with friends who don't usually play games type yeah. of game. Yep. It's... I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's a little bit it's a little heavier than I think you might be giving it credit for. I found myself a couple of times saying, well, now that's a fun little decision I have to make there. I like the idea of spending these beer steins uh, to give you a die to give myself the opportunity to take two. The very first time that I realized I could take this hazard die and roll it at you and give you a hazard to give myself two dice, that that was fun. I like that. I, then I, I liked it so much I did it two or three more times. It was pretty cool. The, was it just the throwing it at me part that you liked, though, if we're being honest here? Look, you say throw. <laughs> that's a little harsh. I, I mean, it was underhand, and it, and it came from, like, above. And it only hit me in one eye. One eye. You're fine. You got another one. The caching of dice to put aside so that you don't have to re-roll them, uh, leading into the re-rolling of your entire trove from round to round, that's fun. I mean, by the end of the, you're rolling on a two-player game. You're rolling 20, 25 dice. That's pretty cool. That's enjoyable. But I guess that's that doesn't really make it heavier. That just makes it fun. It's definitely fun. I agree that it's fun. It's fun. It's not a bad game. No. It's it's but it's we've got plenty of light games. It's fine. The uh, the art style. I'm looking at the little characters that come on these cards right now, dear listener. If you are able to look these game components up, you can get a little chuckle along with us. Look at these and tell me that these don't look like NFTs. That these don't look like uh, like lazy lions or bored apes, but instead they're they're sad dwarves. Concerned, they're the concerned dwarves NFT set. It's kind of yeah, the way that they're framed yeah. and the angle that they're all facing and their approximate scale. Yeah. There's definitely they're all a, facing the mm-hmm. same way. Get in on the ground floor on the crypto. On the dice miner crypto, <laughs> uh, dice miner. I think uh, final judgment. What do we think? I think we're on the fence about it. Yeah, we like it. It's easy to pick up and go, but it doesn't necessarily tickle us in a way that we don't have other things to kind of fill that void. Here's what I might do. I think we can put it on our take it to the in-laws shelf, play it with the in-laws once or twice, and then bring it home and put it in the big box of stuff that's that's ready for trade or sale. I think that sounds like a good plan. Yeah, we could use the shelf space. Dice Miner. Look, it's it's okay. If this kind of thing interests you, you could do a lot worse. It's just not going to find a permanent place on our shelf. Dice Miner.
It's um, 11.36 p.m. We've just been embroiled in, uh, what was it, uh, just shy or just around 90 minutes. Over 90 minutes. Over Slightly over 90 minutes. Come on, we got to make ourselves look a little good. Just slightly over 90 minutes, we finished up uh, one of these uh, Cosmos-published exit escape room games. Escape room in a box. So we've done a few escape rooms in our time, and we're decent at them. I would say we're we're puzzly folks. We're okay. We if we if we don't finish one, we usually get pretty close. Another five or ten minutes, and we and I feel like most of the time. Yeah, I mean, how many have we done? Maybe only one together. Uh, Two? like the big full form ones. Yeah, we've done like. Oh, we're talking about Bodaborg too. Oh, we're talking Bodaborg. about Bodaborg. Oh, if you guys, if you, if dear listener, if you've <laughs> never heard of Bodaborg, come on out to Boston. And we will tell you where to find Bodeborg. Uh, it is it's a it's a fantastic little installation where there's just multiple little escape rooms. Some of them one single room, and others two or three interconnected rooms. Most of them are like three interconnected rooms. Some yeah. of them are physical challenges. Some of them are brainy. Yeah, there are some that we have never beat. Uh, there's one that has a giant ball pit at the end, which is like the <laughs> best. Some of them are emotional challenges where they just have someone just <laughs> criticize your your deepest anxieties mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and see if you can make it out without jumping off a cliff that they have somehow built into this. Installed inside of this building. It's weird. It's it's crazy. I I don't think about it too much. There really is nothing like it. Yeah. Uh, But also we do Puzzled Pint, Mm. uh, which is a something you should definitely check out. Yeah, you can check it out online, Puzzled Pint. Uh, But they they are in a lot of major cities in the U.S. and a few abroad. And every month there is a set of puzzles. Every every city gets the same set of puzzles. And you will go to a local bar or restaurant that you will find out the location of from the website, from a mini puzzle every month. And then you go there and you eat and drink and do puzzles with your friends. It's great. Of course, this was in the pre-COVID times. In the before times. In the before times. And I don't know if there are cities that are currently doing them in person right now, but you can still download them and still have some fun. I bet you there are some cities in the country that are carrying on with events as if there isn't a global pandemic going on right now. That's probably true. If you can go to Puzzled Pint, I highly recommend it. But really, all of this is to say that we're pretty, we're puzzly folks. We're, we're, we're puzzled. We like a good puzzle. Puzzle people. Yeah, we're puzzle people. Yeah. And this was, I think, just the right amount of puzzle and fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was... Uh, they retail for fifteen bucks each. Uh, we got ours at a Barnes and Noble sale, ten bucks. I think other online retailers will sell them for ten, or your friendly local game store if they don't do discounting will still sell it for fifteen. Ten dollars, fifteen dollars. I think absolutely worth it. Uh, I feel like we would be remiss to just say exit, exit, escape room game in a box, fantastic, and we will tell you nothing about it. So I think from this point, we're going to spoil this one. I'm not going to dance around it. Sure. Sounds good. We're going to absolutely spoil this one. But we won't tell you which one we played. That way... (laughs) It totally doesn't involve a mystery of a gate. Right. We played one uh, called something like the mystery of the gate uh, or something like that. It's actually called the gate between worlds. There's a gate in there. I mean, we could go get the box. And then I'd have to get up from the chair, and I'm not going to do that. very far away. Because now it's 11.41 p.m., and I'm getting very tired. So they, the first thing they do is they, you open the box up, and they give you a rule sheet that tells you 
in general how things are going to work. They tell you don't look too closely at anything. Open up this this sealed deck of cards. You organize them and uh, and then start the timer. And in this game, they give you a, a gate that's pretty much just like a cool decoder ring. Mm-hmm. It has three spinning wheels, yep. and when you align them with any you know three numbers, you'll get a mystery number revealed in this window in the middle. And basically, each of the puzzles as you proceed through the game will provide you with a set of three numbers and you'll align the dials for it and then you'll get a number in the window and that number will will tell you essentially by looking through the card deck if you solved the puzzle that you just did successfully or not there's some intermediary steps there but that would bore our dear listener um (laughs) So you you hop from world to world to world, and every world is represented by a poster that they tell you do not open until you are explicitly told to do so. This part, I believe, is specific to the game that we just played, this yeah. world-to-world This world-to-world thing. thing. Mm-hmm. Do not open until you are, are told to do so, and then you open it up, and they give you just a little bit of backstory about what's going on in this world. You have to solve the puzzle of what's going on in the world. Um, some puzzles refer to other puzzles. Um, and, and then eventually you end up back at the place you started and I'm, we're not going to, we're not going to give that part away. Um, but you then have to solve one final puzzle and it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty, dare I say, it's pretty ballin' if I can allow myself to use some slime. It is. I was actually really impressed with the ending. In fact, I was so, we were both so impressed with the ending that we had to use one of the uh, clue hint cards because we thought, well, I think we've solved this, but yeah. they, we can't really need to do what they're telling us to do. And essentially the hint card was like, okay, if you're reading some instructions and you feel like maybe you shouldn't do what they're telling you to do, then you probably have it right. You should probably just do that. Yeah. So that that's pretty cool. Um, I, well, I guess that wasn't as spoilery as I thought it was would be. But, um, you know, some spoilers are probably too much for anyone who likes puzzles and escape rooms and that kind of stuff. But I'm just telling you now, if you're listening to this, dear listener, and I hope you are listening to this right now, you've seen these on the shelf. You want to throw one into an order to get free shipping or that kind of thing. Excellent time. You and a partner, three people, four people, as many people as you want, really. I would imagine like eight people trying to solve this. Too much. Too much. Uh, But there are bigger ones. Uh, there's, I've seen one on the shelf where they're like, here's two adventures in a box and they, they are linked together and the, and the difficulty meter that goes from novice to expert is like maxed out at expert. Uh, my appetite has been whetted for more of these. Oh, I would definitely do another one happily. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Me too. Great. Um, puzzling, puzzle away pu- every day, every day I'm puzzling. puzzling. I've got, I've got news for you. Check our family calendar, clear it off and just put puzzling. On, on every day. It's a New Year's Day evening. Evening on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. I think it's a New Year's Day Eve. New Year's Day evening. Evening. Right. It, it, this, the scene is evening. <laughs> New Year's Day. Uh, the family has just left. And we have wrapped up playing a game of just one, a rousing game. Not, not, so. a, not an arousing game, but a space rousing game of just one. Uh, what did you think? Did we have a good time? Did we have a good time? Tell me if we had a good time. Well, we definitely had a good time. Excellent. That's good to hear. Everyone enjoyed it except for the cat who yeah. was stuck upstairs. Cat was stuck upstairs. So one of the things I like about this game is that it is accessible and approachable for people who don't typically sit down around the table and play games. My family does sometimes, 
a lot of that is because we bring games to family gatherings. But this one, I think, was genuinely enjoyed by all. Yeah. There is a little bit of of fuzziness with the rules that I think some families (laughs) will take advantage of more than others. One of the clues was spear, and your brother used asparagus, and your father used spare guts. Because mm-hmm, that's what we called it. That's what, yeah, not really a word. Um, <laughs> but m- maybe that doesn't matter, right? Maybe the spirit of the game is that it doesn't matter. Because really, there, there's no goal in this game. This is not like Pandemic or something like that, where if you don't win, then you lose. And when you lose, the whole world you know, burns in virus death. This is just a fun little game where you select words and everyone tries to use a clue to help someone guess them. So let's backtrack just a second and kind of lay out how the game is played. Yeah. So what you have is a deck of cards and every card has five words on it. I'm not entirely certain if these words are in increasing difficulty or not. I was wondering that. Does it seem like the ones at the bottom are harder than the ones at the top? Uh, I'm going to look at a few here. No, it does not. It seems like they're just as kind of a mix. So if you're the person who needs to guess the word, you grab one of these cards with the five word slots and you say which one. Don't look at it. Yep. Don't. (laughs) Right. It's one of those games where you need to pick up the card and have it facing away from you when you pick it up. Otherwise, everyone will be here a while. (laughs) And then you choose one of the numbers, one through five at random, and show the card to all of the other players to make sure they can all see it. And they all will write down a clue on their little uh, plastic tablet. Yep. And then once everyone has written their clue, uh, they all kind of show their clue to each other. The the guesser has their eyes closed or is off in another room or something. And everyone shows their word to each other and any duplicate words or close enough duplicate words. Like asparagus and spare guts. Yep. Those get turned down. And what you're left with is all the guesser has to go on to try to guess what the word is. For example, in the game we played earlier with the asparagus and spare guts. Yeah void that those did you say void they like they voided each other out was what i was what i was gonna say okay cut take two for example in the game we played earlier with the my brother's clue of spare uh take three for example in the game we played earlier with my brother's clue of asparagus yeah and my father's clue of spare guts being essentially as we determined the same word and therefore i couldn't see them i also couldn't see the Brittany and the Brittany that two of the other players had written down. So myself and your mother, mm-hmm. we both came up with Brittany. So I was left with pointy yeah. to help me one word to help me guess spear. Now here's where the rules fuzziness comes in. Laura's mom says, Laura, if it helps, just think of Mr. Apparently Mr. Pointy is a reference to something from Buffy, the vampire slayer. I never watched Buffy. Now, clearly, that is absolutely not within the bounds of the rules, but, um, you know, Laura's family plays fast and loose with things. If you ever played Hanabi with them or other cooperative games like this, they play a little fast and a little loose. Similarly, when we were deciding what words to write down in that phase of the game, there's a little bit of conversation about who might want to choose to write something obvious. Oh, man, I was sitting there gnawing my fist down to a stub. The, the, the word gets revealed and everyone sees the word and literally everyone at the table decides, okay, I'm going to write the most obvious word. You will write the second most obvious word. 
And I'm sitting here internally screaming that, like, this is not how you're supposed to play the game. Hey, at least when my mom wrote fee fi fo fum all swooshed together as though it was one word, you know that. <laughs> the clue yeah. was giant. The word yeah. we were trying to get, get was giant. Yes. And she wrote fee fi fo fum yeah. all, all smashed together, like fee fi fo fum. And then... Fa- <laughs> and then found one instance on the internet when it was a hyphenated when word was hyphenated. and used that as proof that it should have been allowed. It should have been allowed. So yeah, just one. It you know it it's a great game if you are going to go to a family gathering. It plays up to seven. I think that's a, a great number. I cannot imagine playing this game with with low numbers. I can't imagine a more boring experience than a three or four player game of just one. In my opinion, it needs the full complement, six or seven tops. Don't don't try to play this game with fewer than six. Um, otherwise, it's it's no one's going to cancel each other out, and and you now you're just left with a weird guess the word game. I also really like that the placards that you write on are are dry erase whiteboard style. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a low waste game. I can't imagine uh, trying to play this game with like a score sheet and you just continually Ugh. ripping off pieces of paper as you're playing the game. You just hear a tree screaming <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> every single time you do a new round. <laughs> nah, it's a great little game. Yep. I think it's out there for like 20 bucks or something. Uh, we've had it for long enough that I can't remember how much I paid for it. but um, Just one. Just one. Just approximately $20. Just one $20 bill. Plus tax and shipping maybe. Out of all the wonders in the world, I think I think there are seven that I like the most. There is Circus Maximus. There's the pyramids. I love the pyramids. Uh, the great lighthouses, the mausoleum. What mausoleum? What's the mausoleum? I mean, there's sure there's plenty of mausoleums out there, but have you have you not been to the mausoleum? Oh. <laughs> I have failed you. I have failed you as a husband. We should have gone there on our honeymoon. Uh, the Sphinx. Cool. Uh, the Temple of Artemis. The Great Library. Piraeus? 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 Man, that place is great. I can't really say it, but it's great. What part of that is the wonder? I see just like a little port. The name. It's really the name. Like the city itself looks unremarkable, but the name is probably the most wondrous of them all. So uh, of all the wonders, I think I think there's seven of them that I like the most. It's too bad you only really get to create seven out of the eight that we choose. <laughs> this is con. This is no. nuts. This is silly. Seven Wonders. Seven Duel. Wonders. Duel. Uh, this is a game by Antoine Bauza, the designer of the famed Seven Wonders game that we all know and love and have yet to review on this show. And I'm going to issue an immediate retraction, uh, Antoine Bauza and Bruno Cathala. So Antoine Bauza has yeah. uh, contributed to other games that we know and, well, some of us love. Hanabi, yeah. Hanabi. of course. Yeah, I've got a complicated relationship with that game. You do, you do. We but the rest of us like it. And uh, Takanoko, that's the little bamboo game. We should review that at some point. That's a delight. Oh, we yeah, we got, we got all kinds of stuff. I'm looking at Bruno Cathala. Oh, okay. Sorry, I got distracted because I started spelling his last name like Cthulhu, which apparently is not correct. Bruno Cthulhu would be a fantastic <laughs> name. For something, someone, some creative person out there, get on that. Antoine Bowser, Bruno Cathala, powerhouse tag team crossover. We got a regular Hulk Hogan, Randy Macho Man Savage going on here. See him out of my league with that reference. That's, um, a, little, that's a little obscure wrestling trivia there. Hulk Hogan. 
So let's talk about Seven Wonders. It is a <laughs> like it's it's multiplayer. I yeah. guess two is technically multi. Not as multi. Not as multi. Yeah. Yeah. As its septa player <laughs> counterpart. As its polyamorous counterpart. <laughs> the monogamous version. <laughs> yeah. Is this a family show? Have we decided yet? There's polyamory is not unfamily. You're you're right. Apparently, polyamory is all about family. It's all <laughs> it's it's about making your family as big as possible. <laughs> uh, so Seven Wonders, the duel, is a two-player variant of the original Seven Wonders game. If you look in the back of that rule book, there was a time when it was like, "Hey, loser, do you not have six other friends to play this game with? Do you maybe have one other friend or a?" maybe barely willing life partner who'd be willing to play a game like this with you? Well, then here's a variant you can try. And so they they took that, they shrunk the cards down to little baby-sized cards, threw another couple of things in there, and released it as Seven Wonders Duel. And what we have here is kind of this buffet game, this kind of salad bar kind of game, where they you lay out the cards and you draft them from wide open in front of of the world and the world being just you and your opponent so i guess it makes sense since handing little hands of cards back and forth to each other is kind of actually silly if you think about it so they just lay it out all on the board at the start of age one you build this pyramid with six cards on the bottom five cards face down underneath those six and every row gets smaller and smaller and you alternate upside down versus face up so there are times when you know what your options are all going to be and there are times when you have to worry about perhaps unveiling a card that will be very advantageous for your partner if you were to lift it up and free it up you can only take cards that have nothing on top of them so you're going to start at the bottom of that pyramid and and work your way up over the course of that age and at the end of the age all of the cards will be gone and you'll do a little shuffle 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 and you'll get out age two's cards and age two's cards are set up in an inverted pyramid so for this one you start with just two and the next row is three upside down and then four right side up etc etc yep same number of cards as round one and then in the final round, I, once again, you go through the whole setup again, but it is going to be kind of a... I'm not even going to try to describe the shape. It's just like, it just goes in this weird block shape. Sure. Yeah. It's so, not a pyramid. It's a different shape. Yeah. It's a boxamid. <laughs> uh, trademark that. Nobody use it. Uh, feel free to contact us at uh, trademark at twomostdifficult.com. So you've got these three ages where the cards are laid out in different configurations, and then you go back and forth just taking a card. You take a card, and then you have to decide what to do with it. If you can afford to build it, you can add it to your set. Uh, if you don't want to or can't afford to build it, you can throw it out and get some money for it. And then the third thing you can do is also get rid of it in an attempt to build one of your wonders. One of the first things you do when you set up the game is you divvy out the wonders to each player. There are 12 total wonders in the deck, and each player will start the game with four of his or her own. And over the course of the game, if you can afford to do so, and also there might be strategic reasons to you know, to complete one of your wonders at a certain time in the game based on the benefits that you get when you complete it. Yeah. Uh, only seven of the wonders of the eight that are dealt out between the two players can actually be completed. So it's also a good idea to get a leg up on your opponent by trying to complete your force, leaving yep. your opponent with fewer options. Yep. In addition to that, there are little 
progress tokens that you can pick up during the game. If you collect certain cards with certain symbols on them and get pairs of those symbols, you can take some of these progress tokens that'll give you anything from something simple like extra money and extra victory points to something a bit more complex like blue cards cost too fewer resources to build, which means nothing to you, dear listener, if you haven't actually played this game or Seven Wonders. Just know they're they're all different. Maybe we should take a quick pause to just give an overview of the different kinds of cards there are. Absolutely. You've got your basic brown cards, which allow you to uh, use resources like stone or wood or clay. You have your gray cards, which give you more advanced resources like scrolls or bubbly potions. Those resources that I just described are the literal building blocks of the other cards that you can buy. Something might cost two stone and a bubbly potion. Something might cost a clay... A, a stone and a wood, uh, things like that. Other cards include blue cards that are just straight up victory points, uh, gold cards that have to do with the changing the cost of things. When you get rid of a card for money, if you have a bunch of gold buildings, you'll get that much more money for any cards that you choose to discard instead of committing to a wonder or, or using to add to your set. Uh, You've got these green cards that have a scientific symbol on them and maybe some victory points. There are seven scientific symbols in the game. Anytime you have two of the same symbol in your set, then you get to take one of those progress tokens that That he mentioned that led us into the yeah that led us into this card talk. It's a big circle. And finally, there are red cards. Red cards are military cards, and those affect this little tug of war track that you can move this pawn back and forth between you and your opponent. And the further down the track it goes towards your opponent, the more points you'll get at the end of the game. It's like the opposite of tug of war. It's like a push of war. It's like push of war. Tug of push, I think, is a better name. uh, And there will be no further discussion on that. (laughs) And these cards lead you to two other ways to win the game besides just the obvious victory points way. One being in this tug of push, you can (laughs) push the... (laughs) figurine to the opposite side of the board by getting enough military cards to push it that far. Yeah. Or with the aforementioned green cards that have these symbols on them, if you should collect six different symbols, that's also an instant win for you. Although it's really difficult because we do remove cards at the beginning of each pyramid and or pyramid box setup. Yeah. So it's not even a guarantee that you'll be able to see all seven symbols in any given game. But those are two other ways to win besides just having the most victory points. Really, that that symbol victory, the scientific victory, as they call it, is really kind of there as like as a hey dummy protection. Don't let your opponent do this. Yeah. Pay attention. Pay attention to what your opponent is doing. Now that we've covered all the victory conditions, I think maybe we can talk a little bit about about how a couple of our games go, and then maybe what we actually think of the game. Well. All of our games go like, <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't going to say that I always win, but I do. <laughs> she does always win. No, what I was going to say yeah. is that all of our games are pretty rude to the opponent. Yeah. This, if you like games where most of winning or at least a healthy amount of the winning is sticking it to your opponent, yeah. then this is the game for you. This really does just put like the thrust in 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 the duel like there is no this is not a, a duel of of wits here this is a duel of of ouch 
<laughs> so it's open information. Yeah. You know exactly what your opponent has. You can get a pretty good sense of what the most advantageous options are for your opponent. And because it is a my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, unveiling of cards or possibly leaving cards covered and inaccessible type of game. Yeah. You can deliberately angle yourself to remove a card that you know your opponent needs or force your opponent to remove a card that will give you something advantageous. It's just one of those games. It's just one of those games, which leads us into our final thoughts, um, which is, I I hate it. Hate? I don't like it at all. That's nope. a strong term. Yep. I Not just because I lose, uh, <laughs> it, but, but you know what? I think that's a valid reason to not like a game. If you a game that you never win, that's a fine reason I think to not like it. But even on top of that, I try to put myself in the shoes of you winning the game and thinking if I had won the way she won, would I feel like that was a satisfactory victory? And no. Like this game is just does not do it for me. Yeah, so I do like winning. Yeah. But I agree with you. Yeah. I don't think it's that interesting yeah. is really what it comes down to for me there's no surprise because all the cards are laid bare before you uh, i will argue that there's a little bit of surprise because you don't know what you're unveiling and sometimes there's a little little kick of adrenaline when you choose to take a card that's going to give your opponent two mystery options yeah and seeing what those options will be they're almost always terrible <laughs> oh, but for the most part i agree that it is both players looking at and assessing the layout of the cards at the beginning and preemptively charting a path and just adjusting course as things go. Yeah. But it doesn't leave you with any really interesting decisions to make. And that's the part that I find disappointing in it. Yeah. Most of the time, the decisions are pretty obvious. Oh, I better take this because if I don't, then she'll take that and push the push of war back into my area and she's going to get 10 points at the end of the game. Or I better take this because he doesn't have the resources or money to be able to afford any of the other options out there. Yeah. I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but in my brain, I really kind of feel like this is just a step above Candyland. You lay out the cards and someone who looks at those cards could say, she'll take that. I'll take this. She'll take that. I'll take this, whatever. She'll take that. Oh, I lose. And, And like, that's the game. Look, I'm not that person, but I could see how someone could feel like that. And if if I feel like that that is possible, the, then a game loses a lot of its enticing nature for me. I generally do like games where there's a resource collection to turn into other things. And it has that. I like that. I found that satisfying. I like that things get... Some things get less expensive as you go through the game based on what you've collected. Yeah. That's fun. But I do generally agree with you. The defeating of one's opponent is not really ultimately that satisfying. Yeah. Do you feel like when you're done, do you feel like you have bested your opponent, that you have locked horns and that you have made the right decisions and have come out ahead? I don't find that this is a satisfying win. And to me, if it's not a satisfying win and it's not fun to lose, right? Then why do we have it? Why do we have it? Yeah. So I guess it's fortunate that you already sold it by accident before we played it for this review. Already sold it. It's out of here, but we figured we'd document it before we shipped it out of uh, Casa de Difficult. 
and uh, to get to for posterity to make sure that we never buy it again <laughs> accidentally. I don't. I don't mind if other people buy it. I just want to make sure we don't buy it again. It's going on the list. How do you accidentally buy games, Paul? <laughs> Look, sometimes you can't. Do the games <laughs> wink at you on the shelves, and you're like, "I just can't quit you, duel." <laughs> I look. I'm like one of those. What do they call the krill shark? You just go, Whoa, and you you end up with 15 new games, and one of them might be Seven Wonders Duel. It is small. It might actually fit through the baleen. Yeah. <laughs> so long, Seven Wonders Duel. We we like Antoine Bauza. We like Bruno Cathala, but this is just not the game for us. Well, ending the, the clip show that is not a clip show on kind of a downer. Yeah, we're getting rid of two of those games. One of them we physically destroyed. <laughs> and the other one we like and we'll continue to play with our friends. Yeah, just ruined. Just absolutely ruined. Which reminds me, don't go looking for a copy of Dice Miner. It's, <laughs> well. It's available for sale. <laughs> it's available for sale. Yeah. I'm going to put that under acceptable condition. Uh, so there we go. Four games reviewed. None of them have anything in common. Um, I've seen this movie. Together on this journey, four games, nothing in common. They'll it's, each develop their own skills that'll be complementary to each other and somehow yeah. they're, with their powers combined. They will form Captain <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> Do you want to get sued? Captain Earth. Earth. Commander Earth. <laughs> that is it. Commander Earth. So, from all of us here at uh, TMD headquarters, myself, Paul, Laura, and Commander Earth, we wish to say to you, uh, thank, thank you, you for, for honoring, honoring us. us with your ears. Your ears. A mining bit you were going to do. I, I didn't realize it was going to involve a Scottish accent. It's- I would have stopped you. <laughs> It's too late now, lassie. <laughs>